Sentire Media. Hello everyone and welcome to A History of Italy. Fill in episode number two, Women's World Cup and how the offside rule came to Pulaski County. Well, I beg your forgiveness, but here we are with another fill-in episode. I'm working on it, I promise, I'm getting there. Recently, the FIFA International Women's World Cup Championship concluded with the victory of the USA for the fourth time, the second back-to-back. The tournament we have recently seen are actually the World Cup Finals. They come after a three-year qualifying period in which the various nations compete to have a slot in the finals. The teams that qualify are 23, with a 24th being automatically admitted, that is, the host team, in this particular case, France. There is, first of all, a group stage with four teams, which means that every team in the group plays three matches against the other teams. The two top teams in each group, plus some of the best-placed third teams, then move on to the second round, then the winners of the knockout second round stage move on to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and in the end, the final. Every geographic area of the world has a certain number of allowed slots, so there is a variety of different nations from different corners of the globe. It was the first time in Italy that many people actually knew that the Women's World Cup was going on, and definitely the first time that we were able to watch it on national television. Indeed, as the Italian women's team progressed and started doing very well in the cup finals, they moved from satellite channels to the mainstream Italian national channels to actually getting on Channel 1. It was a very nice underdog story. First of all, coming out top in a group which included one of the favourites, Australia, then winning the second round match and, unfortunately, finally losing the quarter-final. My wife, my daughter and I decided to go and celebrate after the second round victory, got into our car, waving our flag and beeping our horn, hoping to find other people, but there wasn't much going around. We did receive one polite beep from another car. Anyway, things are improving on the women's football scene. One good result is that the sign-ups for girls' soccer have increased by 40%. That may include also my daughter, who now is faced with a tough decision between continuing with basketball or moving to soccer. She does like basketball, and she's a good basketball player, so I'll be quite happy for her to stick with it. At the same time, as the years go by... Having another person to count on to get your Wednesday evening soccer match going would be a great help. This is a pretty good step forward if we consider that only about four years ago, in 2015, 
the president of the National Amateur League, Felice Bellolli, had refused to give any funds to women's soccer, saying that that's enough with these four lesbians. You'll be happy to know that he's no longer the president of the Amateur League. Now, I don't know if it was actually this event which got him substituted, or it was just the normal course of affairs. I'd like to hope in the former. Despite the sentence actually being written in the minutes, he denied ever actually ever saying it. The remaining problem is not so much what is said, and still some quite nasty things are said about women's soccer, but the remaining problem is the fact that they are still considered amateurs, and the current fight in Italy for our ladies is to be considered professionals at the same level of the men, similar to the fight in America for pay equality, although here they're actually having trouble being recognized as professional athletes. The women's tournament started up in 1991 in China, and there have been eight editions. As we said, four of those, so half of the editions that have been played so far, have been won by the United States. Italy has never won an edition. 1991 may seem very recent. However, if you think that still in the 1970s, women's soccer was banned in many countries, it's a pretty good step forward. Although Italy has never won the competition, I was quite pleased when looking up on the topic that one of the very early instances of an international soccer tournament for women was in 1970, none other than in Italy, in July. Then, during the 80s, there were two editions of the Mondialito, the Little World Cup, in Italy, respectively won by Italy and by England. So, although the women's team hasn't actually won a World Cup, there are some instances of things being organised in Italy. So good show for us on that side. Things have gone a little bit better for the Italian Men's World Cup. The Men's World Cup started up in 1930, and in the editions since then, Italy has won four editions. Now, I'm not particularly proud of the fact that the first two, 1934 and 1938, were won under the fascist regime. Anyway, we do count them as four, which puts us in second place along with Germany's four, just behind Brazil, the top national winner, with five World Cups won. Other winners have included France, Argentina, and England back in 1966. The USA men's team has never won a World Cup. Maybe they need to learn a few lessons from the girls. I'm not really particularly surprised at the great success of the women's team. My first experience with soccer was way back in the mid to late 80s in Pulaski County in the great state of Virginia. Already back then, soccer was a mixed male and female sport. The big tough boys were off playing American football or basketball or even baseball, so that left the rest of us to go and play soccer with the girls. I must say, as time went by, our team was able to build one of the most formidable all-female defences in the league. 
My father, being Italian, was one of the few people in the radius of many miles who actually knew and could apply all of the rules. His charisma then got him from an assistant coach to a head coach position. And so for many years, my head soccer coach was my father. He was a very well-loved coach in the league and is remembered to this day, almost 30 years afterwards. He had his share of trouble, one time, for example, getting thrown off the pitch for saying the word hell, something you just don't do in the 80s in the heart of the Bible Belt. Specifically, he was actually talking to me, saying, Michael, what the hell are you doing? I'm not sure what I was doing at the time, but evidently something very wrong. He was thrown off the pitch, but so that he could continue to shout instructions, he went into the parking lot, got on top of his car where he could see the action, and continued to shout instructions from there. I still remember very well the day that the offsides rule came to Pulaski County. Now, offsides in soccer is a bit different from offsides in American football. In American football, that means you simply move on the scrimmage line before the ball is snapped. In soccer, offsides means that the moment one of your teammates kicks the ball to pass it to you, if you are beyond the last defender of the opposing team, you are offsides. Basically, this rule is to avoid having an attacker hanging around in the goal area waiting for a ball to be passed to him. My father trained us and trained us and trained us, in particular our defence, to spring the offsides trap. The moment the opposing team got the ball, we were to attack, we were to move up, leaving their attackers isolated and offsides. The day came to apply our offsides rule, and soon enough, one of their attackers got the ball, and we sprang our offsides trap moving up, leaving another attacker completely and totally isolated, way ahead of our defence. His teammate passed him the ball, he scored, and the referee validated the goal. Now, first of all, let's clear up the fact that the referee was a great guy, Mickey Hickman. He was the baseball umpire, the football referee, and he was now entering into soccer. He was quite a well-known figure in Pulaski community, considering also that his wife, Mrs. Hickman, was the choir director, a lovely couple, and two great people. Anyway, Mr. Hickman validated the goal. My father went through various shades of colour and exploded. It's offsides! It's offsides! And he went to consult with the referee. The referee had a confused look, at which point he took out the rule book, which was conveniently in his pocket, looked up the offside rule, and after consulting with my father and the coach of the other team, it was decided that indeed the play had been offsides, and the goal was not valid. And so, offsides came to Pulaski County, Virginia. And so, as we close this episode, I would like to do something unusual and dedicate it to the memory of my father, the well-loved Pulaski County Parks and Recreation soccer coach, Ariello Corradi. Ariello was never an easy name to pronounce, 
especially in the United States. When we used to go deep sea fishing in North Carolina twice a year, the captain of the boat we used, Captain Oates, had given up and just called him Ayatollah. One last consideration. The rise of female soccer and female sports in general has opened up a whole nasty Pandora's box of sexism and masculism and so on and so forth. The tough guys, the macho men, who feel threatened by women's sports, by baby changing rooms in male bathrooms and shaving adverts that no longer glorify machoism but, let's say, more, more sensitive aspects of the male character. If they do feel threatened by all this, perhaps the problem is not the masculinity of those around them, but perhaps their own masculinity. Perhaps, in the end, they're not really all that tough. Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.